Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, what joy is ours to be able to praise the Father, to call the God of the universe the Holy One, the Everlasting One, the Almighty One, Father. To be able to praise the Son. Thank You for revealing Him to us. Thank You for sending Him to us. Oh Jesus, what joy is ours to praise Your name. The name that is above every other name. The name of Jesus that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. And now, by Your grace and Your mercy and design, we have the privilege of praising the Son. Knowing the Son. The Son knows us. We're His sheep. He's purchased us with His own blood. Paid the price and praise the Holy Spirit three in one, the God of all comfort, the God of all mercy who comforts us in all of our afflictions so we can comfort others. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the comforter, the paraclete, the promised one that Jesus said, Where well, I'm not going to leave you alone. He's going to come and he's going to make his home inside of you and me. We are going to become the temple of the triune God. Praise You, Father. Praise You, Son. Praise You, Holy Spirit. May all that is said and done bring You glory because You deserve it for who You are and for what You have done. Fill your place, this place with Your presence. Make this holy ground because we're here with You. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you may want to turn with me in your Bibles to John 6. We're going to stay today in the Gospel of John. Uh, we're going to look at three different passages, both uh, John 6 and John 12, and then we're going to turn to John 19. If it doesn't fit, force it. If it doesn't fit, force it. That's pretty much been my motto my whole life. It really has been. And I don't recommend it. It's not really the wisest way to live your life. But that's kind of been my mindset as far as I can remember. If it just doesn't fit, force it. I guess when you're a little bit impatient. I guess when you're as stubborn as I am. And I guess if God has gifted you with a little bit of girth, it's a motto that you may prescribe to. And it certainly become mine. And I want you to know that you can fit a round peg into a square hole. You really can. With enough force, enough energy, you can get round pegs into square holes. The problem is you no longer have a round peg. Or... A square hole. Even when you have the right peg, even when you have the right tool, even when you have the right person, we're going to find out even when you have the right king, you got to ask the question, are you using it properly? Do you know how to use it? 
We've been on a journey together these last several weeks. We've been on a journey together through the Old Testament looking for, searching for a godly king. And today uh, we arrive at that godly king named Jesus. Our journey uh, reaches his end at Jesus. And listen, every search in life, every longing in life, every need in life finds its conclusion, its hope, its life, its meaning in Jesus. So we arrive here today and we will crown him king. But we'll see, even when you have the right king, we may have the wrong crown. Even when you have the right king, you may have the wrong crown. Even when we find the right king, we have to ask ourselves are we in the right kingdom? Do we understand the kingdom that this king ushers into us? Well, Palm Sunday is the celebration that we found him. We found that godly king we've been longing for. We found him. His name is Jesus. Palm Sunday is a celebration that we join our voices with those who, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, sang out to him and saying, Hosanna! Hosanna! Glory to God in the highest! Glory to God who has blessed us with the king of Israel. And we can say, finally, finally our search has arrived to a godly king. We've longed for this king. As God's people would say, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, we long for you, Jesus. How many false starts have we had? How how many broken hearts have we had? How much of redemptive history do we have hope that this is the one who will deliver us? This is the one who will give us life. This is the one who will give us meaning. Only to be found as a sinner like us. So finally, we find a godly king named Jesus. And we cry out like they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna. But do you know that God's people who cried Hosanna within a week's time to this godly king are crying, crucify him, crucify him, take him away, kill him. How in the world can you finally find the right godly king How could you proclaim Him and say, this is the King we've longed for. Hosanna, God is with us. And then within just one week's time, say, get rid of Him. Kill Him. Obviously, there was a problem with which crown He was going to wear. Clearly, we can find the right King. But do we have the right crown? Turn with me into your Bibles to John chapter 6, verse 15. We're going to find ourselves in the middle of John 6, an amazing passage, an amazing passage, where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus declares that He is the bread of life. An amazing passage where by force they want to make Him king, and by the end of the chapter they all desert Him. Let's listen to God's Word. We're going to look to John 6, verse 15, then move to 12 and 19. Be mindful that all of this is God's holy, inerrant word. Jesus just fed the 5,000 in verse 15. Perceiving that they were about to come and take Him by force. The, The Greek here is very graphic. They were going to grab Him, manipulate Him, seize Him, grab Him by force. Why? To make Him king. But Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. John 12, 
Picking up the triumphal entry from John's perspective in verse 12, says this, the next day, this is not linking what we just read, there's time that has evolved. This next day is a day from where people tried to kill Lazarus, who God had raised from the dead. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet Him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your King is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things that had been written about Him and had been done to Him. Let's turn to John 19. Again, we'll pick up in verse 12. Jesus, in a mockery of a trial before Pilate, about ready to be condemned for death. Hear these haunting words of God's Word as we head into this Easter week. John 19, verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down at the judgment seat at the place called the Stone Pavement in an Aramaic Gabbatha. Now in that, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold, your King! They cried out, Away with Him! Away with Him! Crucify Him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your King? And then the chief priest answered, We have no King but Caesar! So he delivered Him over to them to be crucified. Let's pray. Father, how? How can Your people try to force your son Jesus to be king? How can your people cry out with palm branches, Hosanna? How can your people yell crucify? Crucify him. Father, how come we do the same? God, would you come with power and would you show us King Jesus in His rightful place on His throne? Can we understand both His kingdom and His crown? Can we understand who it is that establishes His kingdom and what our response is to this King? Father, what is clear is that we don't need a sinner like me giving my opinion We need the authority of Your Word. We need the authority of Your Spirit so clear because we are Yours. And we have the tendency to be rebellious. Restrain our heart again today. Speak clearly, we pray, in Christ's powerful name. Amen.
The first thing we're going to see is this. This is a problem with crowning Jesus as king in our own way. There's a problem with crowning Him as our own king, our own choosing. It says in John chapter 6 that that Jesus performed an amazing miracle that God's people had tasted and and been blessed by what God had done to them, for them, through Jesus. And now by force, they wanted to make Jesus king and and kind of a really kind of a weird part of scripture you want to say okay well isn't this what Jesus came for isn't this a celebration can't we finally say about God's people yahoo hallelujah they got it here is Emmanuel here is the one the prophet that has been promised here is the 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 priest who is greater than Aaron here is the king that is greater than David here is the one that God has sent And now they want to make Him king. Can't we say yes, yes, yes? It's about time. But no. What's the problem? Why would Jesus slip away from them? Why would Jesus not allow them to to take Him by force and to make Him king? Because Jesus would rather die than have us crown Him a king of our own choosing. Did you hear that? I mean, Jesus would rather die than have us crown Him King of our own choosing. They clearly had a crown that was different than the crown that Jesus had in mind. They clearly had a worldly kingdom, not a kingdom of God. They clearly didn't understand. And amazingly, Jesus, the One who would not raise a hand, who would not get away, who would surrender His life to those who wanted to take His life. Jesus, the Lamb of God, led to the slaughter without a word is the same Jesus who says, no, I'll go and give my life as a sacrifice. I will go and I'll be that silent sheep before the shears. But there's no way that I'm going to allow you to make me king of your own design. Jesus won't let it happen. He won't be manipulated that way. He would rather die than allow us to crown Him King of our own choosing. You know what the problem is? The problem is this, is we want a King to perform for us. We really do. We want a King who can perform for us. And Jesus just won't do it. I mean, we want a king that's kind of like that, that, that king that maybe appears out of a magic genie lamp that you rub it and you say the right things and poof, all of a sudden he's at your command. All of a sudden he's at your disposal. All of a sudden he has to bow to you and me and our demands. But Jesus will never have it. If you're here today and you're looking for a king, a king of your own choosing, a king that will do your own bidding, here is my best suggestion for you. It's very, very practical. Go buy a really good dog. I'm thinking a golden retriever. Name it king. Tell him to do a few tricks. Teach him these tricks. And when you need him, call him out and have him perform for you. Say, king, come over here. Sit. Shake. Roll over. Fetch. Jesus won't be that king. See, unbelievably, in John 6, they found the right king, but they had the wrong crown. They had the wrong kingdom. 
and everything came asunder. I learned this the hard way this year. I really did. I don't know if I really believed this until these last 12 months. But oh, did I try in this last year to have Jesus be a king of my own choosing. And oh, did I, through the journey of cancer with Katie, did I cry out to this king? And did I cry out to him? And did I command him at times to, to change this? Did I cry out to this king and say, fix this? Did I try to manipulate this king? And I, if you know me, I'm really good at manipulating. I'm really good. It comes naturally. I just can manipulate anybody. Pray for my family. It's terrible. And I tried to manipulate this king named Jesus. I really did. I, I, I tried. I, I tried. I, I threw everything I could at him. And I wanted him to perform for me. I, I, I just wanted him to answer me. I wanted him to answer me immediately with, with specific prayer requests. I mean, I'll never forget the Sunday. You, you don't know about it, but I'll tell you about it. It was in the fall. I'll never forget the Sunday. The Sunday that I had to come and preach. And the Sunday when Katie was in a lot of pain. And the Sunday that I told Jesus what kind of crown he should be wearing and what kind of kingdom he should be officiating. And I remember praying specifically saying, God, you have to relieve this. God, you have to stop this. God, Jesus, in your name, the power of the Holy, you have to answer this prayer. Do you know I got to go talk about you? Do you know I got to go tell people that you're a good, loving, in control God? Answer this prayer, Jesus. Answer it. Submit to me, Jesus. He didn't do it. Ah, man, was I ticked. I'm thinking, how in the world do I go tell God's people? What do I do? I'm undone. My king won't respond. I got to tell you, in this last year, King Jesus took the throne that I set him on and he destroyed it. He said, no, 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 I'm not going to be the king of your own choosing. I'm not going to wear the crown that you have for me. I am the king who is. I'm the king who exists. And you, you must respond to me. You must submit to me. And I got to tell you, it terrified me. It scared me to death. Because all of a sudden, a king who I could control, a king who I thought I could manipulate, a king that I thought I could understand, became King of kings, Lord of lords, creator of heaven and earth. He became a king that did his own agenda. That had a different way than I did. His ways were different than mine. His thoughts were different than mine. He became unsafe. It scared me. It scared me. He emerged out of this box I put him in. All of a sudden there was a God who is and it wasn't the God I created and it terrified in a good, holy way. I said, thank you, God. Thank you for being bigger, stronger, better. Thank you for refusing. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to die instead of being willing to make me say this is what you need to be as king. It's a scary thought. I realized I couldn't control him. I was filled with awe. And I had to learn to worship the God who really is. And it's beautiful. Let me ask you the question. Who's really king if we're doing the choosing? 
I mean, who's really king if we're picking out the crown? I mean, who's, who's, who's really king if we're defining the kingdom? I mean, who's really king when we're pointing our prayers and saying, God, do this right here, right now? I mean, who's, who's really king? Aren't we? I mean, aren't we saying, yeah, we found King Jesus, now, now sit, shake, roll over? Isn't it every time that we want God to perform the way we want Him to, to wear the crown we want, aren't we the ones who cry Hosanna to the God we want? Listen, listen, listen. Let's, let's not rail on these people because aren't they a lot like us? Don't we cry Hosanna to the King we want? And don't we often yell crucify to the King we need? That's the reality. It's how broken we are. Hosanna to the king that will be like that magic genie king. Hosanna to the king that will respond to my needs and my prayers. Hosanna to the king that shows up on my agenda, my timetable. Hosanna. Oh, there's a king who is. Crucify him. It's in the way. What's, what's, what's the core of this? What's causing this? It's rebellion. It's sin. We don't want to submit to this king. That's been one of the points I've been trying to weave through that God's been weaving through my own life from day one of this series. God has created us to be in submission to a king named Jesus. That's our calling. It's to submit to him. And we have to know, I want you to know, Jesus will refuse to submit to you. He will refuse. Thank God. Thank God. Amen. Can you imagine a God who submits to us? I mean, who's underneath us, who's manipulated by us. Do we really want that God? Do we really want to know that God? Is that a powerful God? Is that an almighty God? Is that a wonderful God? But that's where our sin is. Submit, Jesus. Submit. Submit. No, 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 no. Submit, my people, to the King who is. Jesus will refuse to be in submission to us. Amazingly about this King, He continually serves us. Amazing about this king is he will disrobe and pick up the towel and wash our feet. Uh, he is meek. He is humble. But don't ever think that Jesus is a wimp. He's strong. And he will reveal himself as strong. He, he, he will come out of the boxes that we have built him in. And he will reveal himself as king of kings and lord of lords. He will reveal himself as mighty God. And sometimes it will terrify us to the point where we, in holy awe and worship, must fall to our knees and say, I get it. I submit. We have to realize, too, that our lives are not what God intends them to be until we submit to Jesus. You see, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. His crown, He will not wear a crown of gold. His crown is a crown of thorns. That'll be ours too. The problem with choosing a king of our own desires. Let's look at the second thing. The reason we reject a godly king 
John 19, unbelievable. Did you hear what was read earlier? John 19, did you hear what the chief priest said? The chief priest, these are the religious, these are the religious heroes of the day. These are the people that, that really know God's word. These are the people that have been told about a coming Messiah. These are the people that are told over and over and over again, you are my particular people. You are the people of my own choosing. You are not to follow pagan kings. You are not to live your life like the other nations. You are mine. I have spent Everything on you. You're mine. And did you hear what the chief priest said to Pilate? Can you believe it? Can you believe what he said? Here's King Jesus they brought out. Here's your king. And you know what they said? We have no king other than Caesar. I mean, these, these are the folks that should be teaching about a coming king named Jesus. These are the ones that should get it. They say, no, no, no. We have no king but Caesar. Why? You see, we want a king like the other nations. Remember that? Remember the fact that we want to be like the other nations? Uh, We want to fit in? You know, it's never been God's design for us, His church, His bride, His people, to be ruled by a pagan king. It's never. never been God's design to say, we have no king except for Caesar. I think that the church has lost what it means to be God's peculiar people. The church sometimes has lost what it means to be set apart for our king named Jesus. He says some amazing things about us. He says that we, the ragtag bunch of sinners like us in Christ Jesus, that we now are a holy nation. We now are a royal priesthood. We now are God's own peculiar people. The people of His own choosing. And sometimes we think that peculiar means that we've got to be weird. We don't want to be weird. We've had enough weird Christians. or those who claim to be weird. We're not weirdos, are we? Are we weirdos? But when we don't want a king like Jesus, and we claim to be not have a king except for Caesar, we're irrelevant. The church is benign. We're no longer a city on a hill. We're no longer the salt of the earth. We have no more things to say. We have the same kind of rules and response that the rest of the world. That is baloney. God sacrificed His only Son so that we could be peculiar. So that we could be different. So we could be a city on a hill. So we could be the salt of the earth. So we could be living stones. Living testimonies of a God who is. We have just one King. His name is Jesus. How in the world can we live our lives saying there's no king but Caesar? Don't we have the propensity to do that? We need to crown Jesus as king king, with fear and trembling. The problem lying with this, why we reject a godly king, is we don't want to be on mission for anybody but ourselves. Isn't it kind of true? I mean, really... Don't we want to just, in our sinful nature, just be on mission for ourselves? Don't we want just our life to be about our enjoyment, our enrichment, our inheritance, our family, our well-being, our reputation, our name? I want to be on mission for me. I know you want to be on mission for you. But Jesus came with a whole other mission. 
He came and sacrificed it all so that we could be now back where we need to be on mission, in submission to our great King, and on mission for our great King. Why do we reject the godly King? Why does our lives look like we're going to cry out and say we have no King but Caesar? Because we want to do things on our own. And rebellion. We want to say, God, you don't know what's best for me. You don't know what's best for my dating life. You don't know what's best for my choice of colleges. You don't know what's best for the way for me to raise my family. You don't know the best for my career choices. You don't know the best for these few details in my life. I'm not going to surrender to you as king in those areas. We want to reject the godly king. Why? Because we want to be king. Heaven help us. The king has come. And he will refuse to be in submission to us. The king has come. For us to be on mission for Him. So that's where we find life. That's where we find meaning. That's where we find joy. That's our purpose, Orangewood. That's our purpose. It's to be on mission for Him the way we love our neighbors. It's our mission for Him the way we love one another. It's our mission for Him the way that we will say we will live our lives peculiarly. You may not understand us. You may not get us. And you may say we're weird. And you may even think we're irrelevant, but we serve a different king. His name is Jesus, and we will give our lives to follow this king. He gave his life for us. The worst thing that could be said about Christians, the worst thing is, is that they have no king but Caesar. The worst thing that could happen to us is that we become vanilla. We become like the world. We become benign. Our king didn't come to be rejected to be worshipped. Lastly, the blessed kiss of Jesus as King. God tells us in His Word in an amazing spot of Psalm 2 about this godly King named Jesus, the one that was to come, the one who is. And if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to John, or, uh, Psalm 2? The blessed kiss of Jesus as King. I'm going to read this. Psalm to us. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves uh, up as, as rulers, take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, that's Jesus, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away the cords from us. He who sits in the heavenly realms laughs. The Lord holds, holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, listen to this, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. It looks like God sets his king up. God puts on the crown. We don't do that. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage. And the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath is quickly kindled. But blessed are those who take refuge in Him. You know, what's clear about Psalm 2 is this, is that we don't choose a godly king. It's God Himself 
who is the ultimate authority, He is the one who sets His King on the throne. And guess what? It's His Son. We are not the ones who crown Jesus as King. We're not the ones that's not our right. What were they doing in John 6? They weren't doing what God had called them to do. It's the Father's responsibility. His timing. We don't crown Jesus as King. Listen, my brothers and sisters, we serve the King with fear and trembling. Fear. This is holy fear. This is a way that we love Him. We respect Him. He's out of the box. He's bigger than we can contain. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's God Almighty. He's everlasting. He's the the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's big and strong and fierce and powerful and we now worship Him. It says this, the nations may rage against Jesus and they do. And the kings of this world may set themselves up against this King named Jesus. But God laughs because He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And now He says this to us. We have the privilege of kissing this King. The only way we could kiss this King in Psalms 85, verse 10, it tells us that righteousness and peace have kissed each other. When we think of the cross of Jesus Christ, we see the holiness of God coming together with the mercy of God. And on the cross of Jesus Christ, we see that righteousness of God, a holy indignation for sin, has kissed peace in the body, in the torn flesh of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Righteousness and peace have kissed on the cross so sinners like you and me can now kiss the Son in peace. God kisses us with amazing, wet, sloppy kisses of grace and mercy and love today. He doesn't come to us with a big stick that we deserve. He doesn't come to us with a big stick to punish us. And to drive us away as slaves. He comes to us in His grace and mercy through the work of His Son and now wants to wrap His arms around broken, filthy sinners like us, washed in the blood of the Lamb, clothed in His righteousness, and embrace us and kiss us and pull us so close we can smell the aroma of Christ. Have you been kissed by that King? Have you been kissed by that God? Now He gives us this amazing privilege to kiss Him back. That's our our job. Not to crown Him. Not to make Him a God of our own choosing, but bow to Him. To kiss Him as God's Son. To kiss Him as God's own King. Our King. And in kissing Him, we say, we submit. We submit. We understand. We bow our knee. We kiss the king because he's kissed us. We'll submit. We'll submit our rebellious hearts. Conquer them, Jesus. We'll kiss the king. We'll be on mission for him. His life will be our purpose. His life will be our meaning. His life will be our goal. His life will be our end. We get to kiss the king. How is it with you? Are you trying to crown Jesus King in your own way? Have you kissed Him? We can't force fit King Jesus to wear a crown. 
But there's a day coming that he'll force fit every knee and every tongue. There's a day coming with every knee will bow to King Jesus. Scripture's clear. There's a day coming with every tongue will confess. But do you know that we have the amazing grace of God that today, by God's grace, we willingly can come and say, we'll do it today. We'll kiss the king today. And we'll live. Hosanna. Hosanna to God in the highest. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed. Come. Come by faith. Come by God's grace. Come and kiss the king. Let us pray. Father, why You would send Your Son to a rebellious lot like us who want to crown Your Son even when we see that He is King. We want to crown Him of our own choosing. We want to reject His kingdom and have Him live for ours. God, I thank You for the way personally in my own life You have not allowed me to crown Jesus King, but given me the privilege of kissing Him your Son, my Savior, as King. Father, I pray for Orangewood. You've called us to be peculiar people in submission to You and on mission for You. Father, through Your Holy Spirit, for the peace and purity of the church, would You reveal to us those areas in our lives that we're not in submission. Those areas in our lives that we're not on mission for the King. Would you convict us? Would you kiss us again this morning? Would you cause us to kiss you back as your sons and daughters, dearly beloved in Christ Jesus? And it's in his name we pray. Amen.